0: You're listening to Motherhood Stress, the podcast that talks all about the realities of being a mom in today's world, but also gives you practical takeaways for making the ride as fun and stress-free as possible. The way we live life is an art. I'm here to remind you of the power you already have to create a truly beautiful life. Guys, this week I settle in for a truly powerful conversation with songwriter and podcast host, Kathy Heller. She hosts the immensely popular podcast, Don't Keep Your Day Job, where she sat down with guests like Lewis Howes, Martha Beck, and Jenna Fisher. Her mission, and why I had to have her on the show, is to help people find their purpose in life and to stop doing things that aren't making them happy. I mean, it sounds pretty simple, but for a lot of people you know, it's hard to make that connection. So that's what she does through her podcast and her work. And I am just so thrilled that she was able to come on this podcast and share her knowledge and her experience of life. And you know, that's what she's doing here today. She's sharing what she's learned. And in doing so, she gives us all permission to live lives filled with purpose and meaning rather than ones of quiet desperation. So I hope you enjoy this episode. It is chock full of value. And I truly hope that it impacts your life in some small way. And so after you've listened to it, you know, share share how it impacted you. Or, you know, if you are living a life of purpose, you know, comment on my latest Instagram post at Motherhood Unstressed and tell me about that. And if you're not living a life of purpose, you know, I want to hear about that, too. You know, what small things, after listening to this show, have you started to do or could you do? Are you brave enough to start doing to live a life where you're excited to wake up in the morning and, and go do meaningful work, um, whether it's at, in a professional setting or through your family life, you know, let us know. So without further ado, I hope you love this episode as much as I loved recording it and talking with Kathy. Here's my interview with Kathy Heller. This episode is sponsored by Organifi. Organifi offers completely non-GMO organic superfood blends that makes incorporating really good nutrition into your diet insanely easy. You literally do not have an excuse not to get your fruits and veggies anymore because they've done all the work for you. And if you use the code unstressed, you will receive 15% off your purchase at Organifyshop.com. This episode is also sponsored by Sunday Scaries. These are the CBD gummies that are amazing for stress, anxiety. If you just want to feel a little more energized or regain your focus without all of that background chatter in your mind that's not serving you, use the code UNSTRESS for 10% off your purchase at 4 Lastly, this episode is sponsored by Four Sigmatic. If this is a company you haven't heard of, believe me, in the next year or two, you will. They are doing amazing things in the world of medicinal mushrooms. Uh, Right now, I'm kind of obsessed with their hot cacao with reishi, which is something I'll drink before bed every night, and it's just so relaxing, so calming, and so good for you. So it's kind of a no-brainer. Also, if you love coffee, but you hate the way it makes you feel, like jittery, stressed, just not well... And they have a ton of uh, mushroom blends for coffee. Uh, they also have a really good matcha. So go to foursigmatic.com and use the code unstressed to save 15% off. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. I am so excited today because I have the brilliant and talented Kathy Heller. She is a podcast host, blogger, business owner, and she writes songs too that have done really well. So welcome to the show, Kathy. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here as well. So I've been following you for a while and I love your podcast and we'll get all into that later, but just to give our listeners some context, um, tell us about the events in your life and your past that led you to where you are now, you know, doing the podcast and, and basically just giving others permission to, to quit the nine to five and pursue right? passion.
1: Yeah. I mean, there, I'm so glad you asked that question because sometimes I ask people that question and they're like dodging it a little bit. And the reason I ask it is because I think that you're onto something where there are always things that lead you to do these things. Like, especially when someone's really passionate about something, there is definitely you know, something that happened in their life that's fueling them, that's driving them. And the more you see a person putting into something, something happened that really gave this person um, a huge impetus to want to make this um, happen. And so for me growing up, um, you know, I had a really kind of typical suburban eighties childhood, except for the fact that in my own house um, it wasn 't like punky brewster and it wasn 't like silver spoons. My parents were fighting and they were unhappy and Um, it wasn't something that I talked to other kids about or knew how to talk to other kids about. So maybe it was happening in other people's houses, but it was definitely happening in mine. And it felt really scary. And my mom was suffering from depression and um, her depression just got worse and worse. And eventually my parents split up. And in one sense, my parents' divorce was a relief because the fighting was just so not pleasant to be around. It was really scary and it was really uncomfortable. But then when my parents got divorced, my mom got even more depressed. And my whole life, I remember her sitting at the piano and she was so talented and she has such a big heart. And she would tell me how she wished she could be on Broadway and she wished she could do her music. And she's really talented. Like she was the leading girl in her high school drama department. And she was actually the lead in the high school senior play. And her understudy was this woman named Ellen Green, who went on to be the leading woman in a show called Little Shop of Horrors. She's wow. in both the movie and the stage show. And she was my mom's understudy. So my mom, my whole life, said to me, You know, I am talented. I just mm-hmm. didn't have the courage to go to New York City after college. And I thought that I had to make a choice between having a life I loved for myself and being a mom. So I wanted to be a mom. And both of those messages really stuck with me. And then seeing my mom struggle with serious depression and then su- suicidal like thoughts and battles as after my dad left. Um, and I think that happened because she had felt like she gave up so much of herself for the family. And then when that failed even though that's not necessarily the way I look at it, but that's what she felt. It was like a failure. She felt like, well, what's left? What do I have? Because I didn't pursue what was you know, my own dreams. And I did feel like I had to make a choice between being a mom and having a self that felt like I was fully actualized. And then I got divorced and all of these things. And so as a child absorbing all of that, I was like on a mission to make sure that that didn't happen to me. And I didn't want to be left in a state of what's the reason that we're here? Why do we all get up every single day? All those things. And my mom wound up, um, she, she battled with all of that stuff all through when I was in high school when my parents were split up. She was going through all that suicidal stuff. And she somehow, you know, through a series of lots of help and lots of different interventions, she somehow had the courage to start to wake up every single day and just try to breathe in and out, just try to put on her shoes and walk outside and slowly but surely she started to regain her life. And at that point I then went off to college. And when I was in college, I was like on this quest, like, why are we here? Like, don't, I can't study math and science at this point. Like, I want to know why we're on the planet. I just went through this like very interesting, rocky roller Um, and my dad wasn't really in my life. Even at that point, it was a very difficult relationship with him at that point. And it's different now, but it was very hard then. And, um, I started looking into like world religion and anthropology. And I started to take classes in Buddhism and classes in, you know, Southeastern Asian religions of all kinds and Jewish mysticism. And I was looking for answers like, what is the point? What is the point? Why are we here? Um, And what I realized in my journey was that the opposite of depression is not happiness, it's purpose. And people are longing for a sense of that feeling of alignment when you're doing the thing that you feel you were put here to do. And you get to put that in the world, right? You get to put that in the world. And so I think my mom had all of this stuff she wanted to share and she's so talented and she loves to connect and that's her thing. And she deprived herself of that. And I, I said, okay, so this feeling of purpose, and that's what I learned through just kind of like looking at cultures and looking at the world. And I saw that that was a through line for people is a sense of purpose. And I know there's been now like so much studies around this and Ted talks around a sense of purpose. And they say that the life expectancy actually correlates with um, retirement for people. Because again, if that's your sense of purpose and you retire, that might lead you to health problems. For real, this is a for real thing. So I wound up taking a trip to Jerusalem after college and I wound up staying there for three years, just like really soaking up, like really wanting to connect with like, is there a God? And oh my gosh, like, and I'm meditating now and I'm feeling like this connection to something that's like indestructible, you know, and this feeling that like I have a soul, everyone has a soul, everyone's here with a different imprint. And every person is unique and every human being, even an identical twin has a different fingerprint than her sister or her brother. If they're identical twins, they're different still. So why, what's the evolutionary need For different fingerprints unless we have a different imprint to make. And so I left Jerusalem with that idea that every person has something that they came to the world with that only they can do and only they can, they can see it that way or create it that way because that's what makes them them. And so our job is to figure out sort of how to express ourselves in the world and to contribute to it and to make it more whole and to make it more beautiful. Because I think Ultimately, when we're doing something that touches someone else, that feeds the soul of someone else, that's where the happiness comes pouring in. And so that's what I got from my time there. And then I said, well, I want to go to LA because I have this need to write music and I'm going to figure it out. And so I came here, tried to get a record deal. I got dropped from a record label, tried to get another record deal, got another one. And then I got dropped and I was like, (laughs) you know, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this music thing. Like it was either Beyonce or bust. There was nothing in between. And so I was kind of freaking out and um, I just started doing other kinds of jobs. I was like, well, maybe I could just do something else. And so I looked into getting like a master's in psychology. I was like, and I started to get depressed. I was like, that just doesn't feel like me. Mm. It feels like me trying to be someone else. And then I started taking these classes in mindfulness at UCLA's Mindful Awareness Center. And I was like, this is amazing. And then I started to do that. And then I started to work with a teacher in inner city schools doing it. And I was like, this is so great. And I was trying to convince myself that Mm. that was me. And I was like, it still doesn't feel like I'm being myself. It feels like I'm trying to convince myself of something else, even though I did love it. Um, and then my friend said to me, if you're going to work and not do your dream, you may as well make a lot of money. So get a real estate license. So (laughs) I got a real estate license and I started working for this guy who owned this commercial real estate, like enterprise where he, he owned big buildings and I would just have to take people to lunch and sell them pieces of interest into these like big $300 million shopping malls. And I'm like doing this for a year. And I was making decent money at like 25 years old, but I was like, I just can't keep doing this. This is ridiculous. This is so silly. Like I'm not going to do this. I was like, okay, I can't do that thing where it's like, if I'm going to work, I'll just do something that makes money. Like, no, eh, no. (laughs) Um, so I wound up finding my way and saying, I'm going to, you know, come hell or high water, I'm going to find a way to do something that feels like me. And I still want to figure out how to do music. And okay, so I can't have a record deal, but is there anything that I maybe can do with this? And I, I believe that what you seek is seeking you. And so I started to look through, um, you know, magazines and articles online and what else is out there. And I, I came across this idea of licensing music to TV shows at the time. It was like one tree hill, gray's anatomy and licensing songs to Coca-Cola and Tropicana and the iPad commercials. And I was like, wow, I saw that a lot of indie artists did that with their music and made a lot of money. There was a lot of articles about that. And, oh, this person made $45,000 from having a song in an old Navy spot. And, And I was like, well, what if I applied myself to really trying to figure this out? Maybe since my music was good enough to get some notice from a record label, maybe I could figure this out. And that actually became the beginning of a lot of my understanding about business because instead of just going in a studio and making music... I started to think about solving problems, Mm -hmm. helping other people. And that business at that point, it was really interesting. It was like up until that moment, my music was my hobby. And I wanted somebody to pay me to do my hobby. And in that moment, all of a sudden I thought, well, if I want to have a a business, maybe it's about other people who are going to pay me and what songs they need. And maybe then I could figure out a way to actually serve other people with these beautiful like songs. And in that way I could contribute something that I had inside of me and I would have fun and I could make money and I don't have to sell real estate or go do something that I don't want to do. And so, you know, the first eight songs I wrote, at that point thinking about shows like Grey's Anatomy and trying to think about what Coca-Cola wants. They were not great. They were on the nose or they weren't, in, they weren't inspired. They were like me trying. Mm-hmm. But then they got less bad and then they got like, okay. And then they started to get better. Um, and as they started to get better, this was my, my side hustle. I, I was at my normal job doing this on the side, booking like a studio date on a Thursday night or Sunday. And I was like, getting better practicing while I was at my job. And I finally had a song where someone, it was called Turn the Sunshine On. And it was a song about like, if you smile, maybe you can pass that on. And then the next person might pass that on to someone else. And we would then like turn the sunshine on in the world. And somebody said, this song is really good. Like, I think this one's really not just okay. I think it's really good. It's, it's the Kathy who got the record deal. But it's the <laughs> Kathy who got the record deal and who's telling a story that I think is so well told that it doesn't seem cheesy. It seems mm-hmm. like you. And I think that a brand like McDonald's would probably love this song anyway so then I started to figure out like how do I meet those people and I tell everybody when they say to me you know the reason I don't have the life I want is because I don't have the right contacts or I don't have the time I'm like the only resource you need is your own resourcefulness and so I just tried to get really resourceful like doing internet research, reaching out to people, asking this person who they might know. And I I started literally to find people. This is what happens. Like, oh, who is the person who chooses the music for this show? Oh, how do I find that? Oh, you go to IMDb. Okay, now does this person have a Twitter account? Oh, can I reach out to them in a Facebook group? Oh, is there somebody at the ASCAP uh, who might know them? You know, I just started to like look for these people. Um, Anyway, I started to license my music. I started to make a few hundred thousand dollars a year just licensing my songs to... (laughs) to TV shows and to movies. And um, I have songs of mine that have been in Kellogg's, Walmart, McDonald's, um, Crate and Barrel. Um, I've also uh, Hasbro, Disney. And I've also done songs for... Um, movies. I wrote a bunch of songs for the American Girl movies. Um, I did a movie called Southpaw with Jake Gyllenhaal, and I had songs of mine in that. Um, I wrote songs for different TV shows like Pretty Little Liars and Criminal Minds and The Office and Parks and Rec and SNL and um, and I was licensing my songs, you know, to different promos. Also, um, anyway, it just kind of happened and it worked out. And then I started to look for more purpose. And I mm-hmm. wanted to do more to contribute. And I started to help other artists and speak to other artists and songwriters specifically. And then I'm wrapping it up now because it brings <laughs> us up to where we are. Then I started to teach classes to songwriters and I was doing them locally, like sort of renting theaters and helping songwriters to figure out how to do this. And then I started an online course, helping songwriters to figure out how to do that. Um, and then one of my students said, why don't you start a podcast? Maybe you can help all creative people try to reverse engineer.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
1: I started Don't Keep Your Day Job about a year and a half ago. And it's been so fun. And I've interviewed so many creative entrepreneurs, like the makeup artist, Bobby Brown, and the designer, Jonathan Adler, and Mandy Moore, and Jenna Fisher from the Office, and. Um, he was I love that interview we did with him. That was good. And I've interviewed like Seth Godin and, and I've been learning so much and now I'm writing a book for Macmillan for St. Martin's press. Um, wow. And it's been a journey and that's, that is my whole story of why I started it and you can see, right. I mean like based on what I told you in the beginning, You can see why this podcast, this idea of like, how do you find a sense of purpose? How do you find alignment with why you're here on the planet? It really goes back to watching my mom struggling and what I absorbed and what I picked up and how frustrated I knew she was. And by the way, I decided I was going to have kids and I was going to intentionally make space for my work and not ever let them feel like there was a part of me that was resentful or that didn't feel expressed because I turned out to have three girls, three daughters Mm -hmm. who I want to be able to grow up and feel like they can be whatever they want to be and get to be a mom. Um,
0: And it's still, it's a struggle. I feel guilty sometimes. I think Um, every, I think every mother does. I mean, it's unavoidable. It's, it's that never being enough or at least mm. in her mind's doing enough, for each world that we're balancing. Right. So when you were planning on having your children, did you make the decision? Did you have the conversation with your husband beforehand? Like, hey, we're going to start this family. But just so you know, like, I'm going to have a career and have my purpose in place.
1: Yeah. I mean, he knew that it was something that was really important to me. And he was very low key in the sense of like, you know, you can work or not work. Like whatever you want to do. He's like, I'll support you as long as you're, comfortable living you know within the means I mean he's fine he, he's a lawyer you know um but in LA it was still right. not like we couldn't be living in the house we're living in now just with one great income mm-hmm. like you um but he was cool with it he's like if you know you don't want to work but he he was really supportive and so I used to say to him you know oh my god I'm so afraid I'm gonna lose myself if I get pregnant or I have a child mm-hmm. he'd be like no it's not gonna happen and I used to make time I remember in the beginning, you know, like he should get credit for this. Like when we had my first and um, he would encourage me, like, you should have a nanny. Even if the amount of money you're making is helping pay for the nanny or whatever Mm -hmm. it is early on. He's like, you should still go to the studio, even if you're doing it for yourself. Because Mm -hmm. you need that time. It's going to make you a better mom. It's going to make So I've always but it's been very intentional and it's hard to walk out that door when the choice you're making is sort of like a voluntary choice versus like, I have to be somewhere. Right. Um, except that your kids need you to be fulfilled because they can't do that for you. And your tank is going to get empty eventually, you know, if you're just, but I have so much guilt. I mean, I struggle with it all the time because my mom's message to me, especially when I started having kids She had a hard time reconciling how I was now doing this differently. And she would say, well, I didn't do that. I just gave it up for you. And, you know, if your kids wind up being unhappy because you're gone, you're going to have to live with that. And it was like, ouch, you know, look, you were home, but you were unhappy. So it's like, I don't know if that was the best choice either. You know, and she was so threatened by my working. And now she's come to terms with it. But her voice was always in my head, like, yeah you shouldn't be working Mm -hmm. just be
0: home right now playing legos and it's like i just can't do it i go crazy right Right. and i think that that's 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 really the voice that's in our heads it's our parents and it's that early childhood messaging that we get and if we don't do the work do the internal work like the meditation and you know that maybe psychotherapy whatever it is that works for you those voices are cemented in. And so for me, like it was meditation that really, and I talk about this all the time, that really helped me see, you know, the internal dialogue that was going on and how negative it was and how harsh it was and how just, it was just really heavy. And so- Once I was aware of it, I was like, oh, okay, gotcha. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step away and start changing that dialogue. And it's been, you know, 10 years of meditation. It's still a work in progress. But, um, you know, I think – and that's something that we talk about on the show so much is, is as a mother, taking that time for yourself, making yourself the priority as a way of self-preservation so that you're sure. not – you know, harming your kids or, you know, giving them messages that they're going to carry with them for the rest of their lives. And in your case, wow, like you took it and ran with it and did and are doing amazing things with that. Thank God. But I feel like for the standard person, you know, that wouldn't be the case. They would get into, you know, alcoholism or drugs or some kind of comforting mechanism, you know, after having dealt with that kind of, you know, adverse childhood experience. So kudos to you, but going back to the whole motherhood thing, What's your advice? I mean, most of our listeners are mothers, you know, working and non-working. How do they pursue their passion, their creative endeavors while balancing that and trying to minimize that guilt that arises? Yeah, I mean, I, I dance with
1: that fear and the feeling that I'm doing something wrong every day. And I think in general, I wonder sometimes how different our lives would look if we were willing to be tolerant of being uncomfortable because I think what happens is things make us uncomfortable and we're like "Eh, reverse course you know go back in the comfort zone that makes me really uncomfortable Mm -hmm. but I think in my own journey with my own meditation what I got from meditating is that I can be with that I can sit with that feeling of being uncomfortable. It will not kill me. Mm. It's not pleasant. It's hard to sit with a feeling when you feel anxious. Like I want to go do the self-care thing, but every time I think about it, it makes me feel guilty. So I'm just going to go back and take out the Elmo doll and sit on the floor with her, even though I'm kind of crying inside because Mm. I know I just let myself down. And probably two hours from now, she's going to feel that because I'm going to get sort of depleted. Right. I'm too uncomfortable to go take care of myself. I have that feeling all the time. Hmm. And it's not that I walk out the door when I do because I don't have that feeling or I overcame it. I just have to suffer through being uncomfortable. And then what I realize is I notice it and I go, this is uncomfortable. This is unpleasant. And just like anything else, it then, it's easier to be with it and it passes. And I'm able to go do something, like go to a breathwork class, which I need, Mm. or take a walk. Even if the whole way there, I'm like, whoa, I feel really guilty. It's really hard to make this time for myself. And I feel this way all the time. But then when I'm driving back, I'm like, I'm... I'm more filled right now with more good things to give to my kids because I took care of myself. And so it's a constant struggle for me. There are so many times where I can't bear the feeling and I don't get on my Peloton exercise bike because I don't want to leave them, you know, downstairs for 15 minutes watching TV for me to get on that bike. Cause I feel like that makes me a terrible mom. So I, I get it. What I, what I would tell people and what I would encourage people to do is, um, all of these things we're talking about, you know, like you have this really successful blog and it turned into a great podcast. And I talked about like my love for music and then it, you know, I created a, a big income from it. And then I started teaching courses and then my courses were like seven figure income. And then I started a podcast and I've all these famous people on and now I have this like big life. And that all seems really overwhelming sometimes, you know, when you're looking at it from where you are, I, I would say when we look at things like that, and if you read someone's biography, right, or you hear someone's story, it's really easy for it to seem very like black and white. And you miss like the 8,000 scenes in between everything I said, Mm -hmm. where I was figuring it out or getting a rejection or trying this one way. And that didn't work. Or I had to get a like weird email back from someone, or I just created something that nobody liked, or Mm -hmm. I had an argument with my husband or the 12 rounds of fertility treatment that I went through and the miscarriages and trying to get pregnant. And then that one didn't work. And then I had to go to this fertility doctor and you don't know all of those stories, or you don't know about when I came home from the hospital with my first daughter and I had like the biggest bout of postpartum. I didn't know what was going on. I had never, thank God before then, suffered from my own depression. So I was like, what's going on? Why am I crying? Why do I feel like physically, if I went to a doctor right now, they could see the pain in my chest on an x-ray. That's how sad I felt Mm -hmm. and overwhelmed and scared and incapable. I remember saying to my husband, I cannot leave the house with her. I don't even know how to walk down the street. You can't go to work. I can't (laughs) even get to Starbucks. I can't do it. And Mm -hmm. I was like crying and shaking. So it's easy then to look at somebody else and go, well, look, forget it. Like that's that person or, you know, Lizzie has a great life. She meditates. Kathy's doing the, you know, look, let's back up for a second. Don't compare your behind the scenes messiness to someone else's highlight reel and think that that's the way that it is. We're all a mess. We're all a work in progress. We're all broken and bruised and scarred. My husband and I get into arguments sometimes, and other times we really are connected. And other times I don't know who he is. I feel so distant yeah. from him. Sometimes with my kids, I'm like, so, so happy to be with them. It's the most delicious thing. And sometimes I'm like, what's wrong with me? I'm so bored right now. Yeah. It's hard so hard to have these kids. Why should I be bored? Is there something wrong with me that I don't want to be sitting in this room? I want to go work. What's wrong with me? So you're normal. And so what I would say is just having now that little perspective about people and how everyone suffers from imposter syndrome and everyone has their stuff. I would say like, what little baby steps, like if you're not trying to get a hundred percent results and you're just thinking about like a 1% result, I think you can gain a lot. It's like, could I get a 1% result today? Just 1%. I'm never going to get a hundred. Just get that up. No, I'm not even going to think about that. Could I get 1%? Could I like even just between locking the door to the house and walking to the car, could I do a walking meditation where I would just like notice the feeling of my feet walking on the sidewalk? Could give myself those 20 seconds of not having to think about where I'm going or not having to think about if I left the laundry in, I'm just going to feel my feet on the ground. That's a 1% result. Could I maybe today just for the heck of it, go online and just find something that's in the future that I'm going to buy myself tickets for. But something that's totally not about being productive, just something that's going to give me a wonderful experience. Like I'm going to buy myself tickets to a sound bath and I'm just going to put it on the calendar or I'm going to go online right now and I'm going to look for, you know, a museum, an an exhibit. I just want to take myself to do something that's going to give me some moments of inspiration and I'm going to buy a ticket today. So it's on the calendar. That's a 1% result and little things like that start to add up. And I do think that it starts to make a well of difference. I don't think we do well when it's like, shoot, you know, I listen to this podcast and it's really (laughs) inspiring, except that like, I'm nowhere near there.
0: And so I just felt like more shame at the end. Oh, I love that. I love everything that you just said. I wish we should just do an episode on that alone, like actionable steps to feeling better. (laughs) And less guilty. I love that. Right. Um, But going back to like your key message, um, what are your key strategies for people who want to turn their side hustles and their passions and their hobbies into profit? Like what are some key things that they can do right away? So the
1: biggest key thing that I have learned that comes up and that needs to be sort of understood, I feel like we, we don't get this. Um, there's, there's two of them that are a little bit similar, but they're both super important. So people say all the time, should I quit my side hustle now? I mean, should I quit my job and do my side hustle? Right. Mm -hmm. I have this idea That I do wanna make these backpacks and monogram them. Or I have this idea for hand lettering, or I have this idea for a pie shop. And I've just been thinking about it. And then the next thought is well, do I quit my job (laughs) and just go open a pie shop? So the first thing that has to happen is stuff that you can do while you have that day job, because there's really important things that have to happen. And you can do these things while you have your day job. And they're actually going to be so important and so helpful. And then when you go ahead and you quit it, you're actually going to be in a much better place to get your thing done if you do these things. And the things are whatever you can do to validate your idea. So like when somebody makes an invention or starts a yoga class or creates anything, a food, mm-hmm. a piece of clothing, anything, before they go like all in, we want to validate that this thing is the thing to spend the time on. And so I feel like what a lot of people do is it's very all or nothing, as opposed to saying, I have this idea where I, and this is something that one of my listeners wrote in about, um, I have this idea where I want to help people, um, do vision boards. Like she wanted to do these vision board workshops. Okay. So while you have your current job, let's say she was an office manager for a lawyer or something like that. Okay. So I think it's a great idea to start thinking about open up a Google doc start brain dumping, not editing just first of all just start brain dumping what is this idea and just let yourself play and be creative and spend like an hour and don't edit don't go no that's so silly or no <laughs> I can't well I don't have the building to do that just oh no I don't have, know the right people mm-hmm. just just brain dump go back a few days later highlight the stuff that you loved look at it do it again and then start to test the waters and test the waters with whatever you have right in front of you that's easy like okay so I think I'm going to invite some friends over and sort of like bring out some glue and some paper and I'm going to test this. Or if I was going to be opening up um a cake pop place, then that I would test that. I would bring my cake pops. And then I would think about the next place that I could test the cake pops or test this vision board workshop. And does my church have a need for this? What about the PT at my kid's school? Okay, I don't have kids. So what about the community center nearby? Or what about just in the office? Are there girls? Or what about, is there a shop nearby where there's a clientele that already likes things like this? And I could offer to like, let people taste these just to gain the data Mm. on is this stuff that's good? And then the key thing is, when, when Seth Godin was on my podcast, he said that the, at the heart of any successful business is radical empathy. So mm. the key thing you'd wanna be searching for while you have these testing moments is asking people like, what did you like? What did you not like? How, how, how do you need cake pops? Oh, you want them gluten-free. Oh, that's interesting. I'm going to write that down. Oh, you like this vision board workshop, but you actually would like it if it was more sustainable products. Interesting. Like just starting to gather the data. This is a big one. Um, and then the second big one is that people often say to me, I love your podcast. And I've been thinking a lot about you know, all the things that everyone's saying. My, pro- my problem is there's four things that I think I want to do. Mm. And I don't know which one to pick because I like photography and I like travel writing and I also like to cook and I just don't know. Well, yeah. thinking, thinking and thinking and thinking is not going to help you to figure it out because the clarity follows the action. The clarity follows the action and not the that. confidence follows the action. So there's no way around it. And that's why when I, when I said to you, because you and I talked for a few minutes before we started the, the, the actual recording today, and I told you that I was proud of you for making the decisions that you made to post that blog and then start that podcast, because a lot of people have a hard time with the doing mm-hmm. before they know for sure, am I amazing at this? Is it going to be the best blog post ever? First time out the gate. Am I even going to be wasting time if I go and take this trip to Rome and write about it? And then I wind up not liking the writing or nobody likes. It's like, here's the deal. There's no way around trying things and exploring things. That's like saying to your friend, we're going to go wedding dress shopping for you. I just want you to like, look around and like, just pick one. (laughs) It's like, you need to try it on and not just try it on. Like Get into it all the way, zip it all the way up because you're going to look in the mirror and go, oh my God, this one dress that was on the rack that I thought was a, eh, I put it on and I loved how I felt Mm. in this dress. So that's the same thing with who you marry. That's the same thing with your job. And I feel like people need to trust you will be led to where you can serve the most and make the biggest difference. And I think that, um, that's the problem is, uh, we just, we can't bear not being perfect or not knowing for sure. And the thing is, you have to be willing to tell mediocre stories until you can tell better stories. You have to be willing to ride a bike so-so so that you can eventually become Lance Armstrong. Like, you know, you, you're never going to be Serena Williams the first time you walk out on the court. So it goes back to that question I asked about tolerating being uncomfortable. Like, if you can tolerate being uncomfortable, if you can tolerate feeling like an imposter syndrome person, which we all have, if you can... Tolerate that you're not perfect. You can make a lot of cool
0: things happen in your life. You know, I was just going to say, like, this is my next question. Like, you know, the biggest impediment I feel like for people going on this path and taking these risks is fear. You know, fear of the unknown, fear of failure. Um, and so, I really like what you said about just getting dirty and just kind of doing it to to see. I mean, what what else would you say about fear being a major impediment? Oh my gosh! Well. It's like the impediment. It is. It
1: really, really is. I did this entire episode on Halloween about facing your fears Mm -hmm. um, last Halloween. And I I think, you know, I think that we have a voice in our heads that we all battle. And the voice is basically telling you not to want what you want because you're afraid that if you get up to bat, you're going to strike out and that will just hurt so much. You can't bear how much it's going to hurt that you're just going to try to convince yourself that you don't want this golden ticket or you don't want to ask this girl out. But really, we just really want these things. And so we're afraid we'd rather quit than face the fact that we might not be great at it. So I think the fear is I'll feel like I'm not enough. I'll have to face the fact that I don't feel like there's room for me, that I'm good enough at it. I think that's the biggest thing we're afraid of. Like, am I going to make a fool of myself? Do I have anything worthy to share? I'm going to have to click publish on a blog and not know if it's great or what if people don't like it? Or And so I think, you know, all of us at some point, either were told that by someone or our parents felt that way about themselves. And so mm-hmm. we absorb that. And um, I think we're just sort of wrestling with that. And so what I think is, you know, what if you change the way you look at winning versus losing? Like, what if it's not, okay, if this thing doesn't make, you know, $100,000 on my first try then I lost, how about even if it doesn't make any money, if I go ahead and do it, even if I don't get the audition, even if no one reads the blog, even if I ask this person out and they say no, but maybe I can just change the paradigm a little that I still won because I really was courageous and I got out of my comfort zone. And most people spend their whole life not doing that. And so that really is a win, you know? And like, I have somebody who works for me she's amazing. And she's getting her master's part-time right now. And the other day she was crying because she's been like a straight A student all her life. And She's like, I love working for you and I love my job so much that I like, don't study as often as I used to. And what if I don't get an A on this test? And I said, actually, if you could allow yourself to get a C, which she's like, <laughs> I can't even hear that. You know, <laughs> I said, in the long run, that's an incredible lesson to give to yourself because you will be more successful in your life if you actually have the courage to just put things out and do things without them needing to be perfect, without worrying so much about the failure, because if you can make it that the win is that you can just show up and do your best and that in some way, that's actually like what makes people the most successful is that like willingness to just like, build the engine while they're flying the plane and just go and just go and just go and have an idea and be vulnerable and wear it on their sleeve and put out their business or put out their blog or show up and tell somebody how they're feeling. Like all of us are work in progress, but that's really the success is can I just show up 100% even when it's not perfectly dialed in? I think if you can flip it around and make that winning, then you're not going to be as afraid Um, because ultimately what else is there to be afraid of? You know, I think that's what we're afraid
0: of. That feeling of failing, um, you know, why going back to what you said, being able to sit with those uncomfortable feelings and like knowing that you're not going to die. It's going to be okay. Yeah. You're going to be okay. That blog post tanked, you know, that song didn't get picked up, but it's okay. You know, I still did it and I'm okay. Yeah. And I think one of the things is, is that, you know, the more
1: that I sat and did my own meditation and my own journey, you know, eventually once in a while, even though it's not easy, um, when you're meditating for, let's say, let's say you're sitting there for 30 minutes for a whole two and a half minutes during that 30 minutes, you might not be caught up in your thoughts, right? Like for 10 seconds here And 20 seconds there, maybe you noticed that you were thinking. And so you were observing yourself thinking and you realize that you are not your thoughts, Mm -hmm. that you are the consciousness observing those thoughts. So therefore this illusion that you are the full extent of this blog post, you are this song, you are this thing that you just did. It's like, Oh my God, it's the tiniest little sliver of one aspect of you. And you are multifaceted and multidimensional And you are a soul inside of a body. And so who cares? Why is it this important? It's one little tiny thing. It's not that important. It's not even, you know, a piece of sand on the totality of how giant you actually are. And just because you think something doesn't mean it's true. Just because you think Mm -hmm. some thought. And so one thing I like to do is... See, I've found in my work over the last several years where I've been really studying productivity and I've been studying success and trying to understand it from my own perspective and how other people have done it, you have to take responsibility for gearing yourself up to be inspired. And the mental state that you're in is literally 90% of the whole thing. Yeah. So... When you told me, you know, I've been meditating for a long time, that's not a shock to me because in order for people to have the ability to tolerate being uncomfortable and pain, you know, and having pain and ups and downs, which we all do, there has to be sort of a well of some sort of foundation to touch ground with in those moments. And so most of the people, that i speak to have some kind of a practice a routine a mm-hmm. habit where they prime themselves in the morning or they prime themselves throughout the week to train themselves not to go into that fear and not to let it flood them it it comes in but then they notice it and so part of this is you're going to have to dance with this fear And so instead of just like hoping that you might find some inspiring Instagram post or stumble upon an inspiring podcast, I would make it a routine, a ritual. Like what am I going to do in my life every day to prepare for the whole freaking day? Right. And how am I going to connect with this like elevated state of consciousness so that then when the things come up, I can go, yeah, that's an interesting moment. That was really... Frustrating, and I am grounded in something that feels good, so I'm not just like reacting and all of that right. stuff. So, um, you know, I think that in order to handle the fear, we have to be ahead of it. Yeah, we have to be ahead of it by making a commitment. You know, your brain. When I was studying at the Mindful Awareness Research Center at UCLA. They taught us so many things. And what's great about mindfulness is now so many people, you don't have to be a religious Zen Buddhist to connect with it because there's so much science and it's just, you can like just learn to like be in the moment and it's amazing and everybody can get on board. Um, and there's really big science studies that back up all of these things. And so, um, I learned that the neuropathways in your brain, they start to change based on your thoughts. And so what you practice, you'll get better at. So guess what? Here's the good news. If you've been practicing being stressed out all this time, if you start practicing, feeling what you're feeling and just noticing it, if you practice, doing these things that are going to like gear you up to have more energy for the day, you're going to get better at that.
0: Legit, mm-hmm. like- And right? addicted to it. Yeah. What do you mean and addicted to it? I find that, I mean, I I I think I got into meditation and got into self-care practices because I came from a very intense Marine Corps family. Like we were run kind of like a unit in the Marine Corps. So <laughs> I desperately needed- a place of calm and a touchstone, you know, throughout my day because I could just go, 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 go. And then all of a sudden I'm like pulling my hair out. And then right. you know bring in motherhood times that by 10, you know? So yeah, I think I became addicted to feeling calm and feeling peace. I needed that on such an intimate, deep place in myself. And if I didn't have that, I just didn't feel right. You know, I felt depressed or anxious or just yeah. really happy. And then I would lash out. It would turn to anger like that you know, and I, I knew this is not how I wanted to live my life. So yeah, I, if I don't prime my day, like you say, I I'm just, it's, it's not good. You know, I'm like searching for moments in my day where I can get back to it, you know, and and,
1: I love hearing you say all that. I mean, it's so beautiful that you had that much self-awareness and then did something about it. And that's so powerful. Um, so inspiring. And I love how you just said, I noticed that that would happen if I didn't do this. And I didn't want to live my life that way. And I feel like there comes a time in your life, maybe it's today, listening to this podcast right now, you just turned on Lizzie's show. You're like, okay, this is my day. And you decide, I don't want to be inspired today. I want to have a breakthrough. I'm done. I want a breakthrough. I don't want my life to be the way it's been. I want it to be better. And I want a breakthrough. And if you're ready for a breakthrough and you want that, so you make a decision to do something different because you don't want to talk about it anymore. Mm-hmm. You're done. Like I say to my husband, like in my life, there's been so many things where I'm going over it and around it and around it. And finally, I'll have a moment. I'm like, I want a result. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of hearing myself talking about being upset about this or being stuck in the same situation. It is all... A reflection of our inner self. Anything that's going on, we live the lives that we are willing to tolerate living. We live the lives we think we deserve. So it's enough. It's nobody else's fault. It's like at a certain point, it's like, I'm gonna have a breakthrough. I'm gonna make it, I'm gonna make a shift here. I'm exhausted of even hearing this anymore. Mm -hmm. So in my life, when that happens, those are good moments. And I get (coughs) fed up with it. I'm like, I'm gonna make a change. And then it's like okay, what is the thing that I'm going to be able to sustain and commit to doing different? What am I doing? All right, am I calling this therapist? Am I committing to go to these classes at UCLA? All right, I'm going to have to make the time. I'll figure it out. Am I committing to, what am I committing to do? Walk every morning, come hell or high water, 6 a.m., I'm out the door. Like It just gets to a point where I feel like what happens is, when you said that, it reminds me, like people just coast along and then the number one thing, I have a friend who works with people in the days before they're going to pass on you to know, mm. the next world. And she said that the number one thing that people are so broken up about is like, I didn't live the life I really, really wanted to live. I don't know why I didn't do it this way. And then there's no more time. Right. So what so can crucial. we do to get those breakthroughs? And... I do think that, you know, one of my friends, she has a really nice practice. She wakes up every day and lights a candle and she just looks at it. She looks at it for 10 minutes. She she just meditates on a candle because she feels like just looking at the flame. That's She'll meditate instead of using her breath. You know, she just looks mm-hmm. at that candle, like that flame kind of flickering around and, you know, her thoughts wander and then she'll bring her thoughts back. Oh, thoughts were thinking, no big deal. Don't punish yourself. Don't. This is like a mini meditation. Called, don't judge yourself. <laughs> just bring your thoughts back and just notice the candle. But she does that every day. And she said... Um, it's sometimes it's like frustrating. She's like, Oh, I don't want to do it today. I just mm-hmm. want to go like get the lunches ready. She has four kids and mm-hmm. she looks at that candle. And as she's looking at it, as she reminds, she's reminded every single t- day when she does it, that if she's going to suffer throughout the rest of that day, it's because of her own thoughts. Cause she'll hear them and mm-hmm. see what they're like. And she's like, okay, yeah. it's a good thing. I did this today.
0: Absolutely. And that's so key. Like it's, it's, Exactly that point. It's like the only reason that I'm unhappy, it's nothing external. It's all what's going on inside and how I'm reacting to what's happening outside of me. You know, yeah, the kids are fighting. It's really annoying. You know, they've spilled stuff all over the floor. I'm going to choose how I react to that in a place of calm and and empowerment, really. So we've kind of talked about your podcast and I would encourage anyone listening to definitely go check it out. I'm obsessed with it. Every time I see a new episode, I listen to it, whether I'm working out or on my way to work or whatever, because it's just, it, it, I get it. Like everything that you're saying, I'm straight in alignment with it. Um, but the guests that you've had on have been really incredible. So what was one of the most memorable, memorable ones that you had and and why was that? I thought
1: it was really cool. I mean, there's been So many, like when we had Jenna Fisher on the podcast, I thought that was really special because I've watched The Office a bunch of times and, you know, she plays Pam on The Office, but she was so kind. She was so down to earth and I've met a lot of celebrities and, you know, sometimes people will be like, they're so nice because they're overcompensating for the fact that they thought they were going to not be nice and they were a little bit nice. No, she was Mm -hmm. like one of the nicest people I've ever met. Not nice for a person who you think might be a celebrity, not nice. She was so sweet, but it wasn't just Mm -hmm. that she was so sweet. I was so inspired by how she talked about this message of not waiting for things to happen to you, not waiting for opportunities, but that a year and a half before she ever went in for this audition for The Office, which wound up being like this big, life-changing, career-changing role for her, she and her friends... We're like, you know, we want to be an actor. We we all say, I want to be an actor. I want to be an actor. We need to be on a set. Let's make a movie. And so they didn't know what they were going to do or what it was going to be like. And they had this idea to make a mockumentary of a bunch of people working at a nonprofit, which is so crazy because The Office is a mockumentary of people working in an office and it looks like it's real and it's not. And it's kind of making a joke of itself. And they made a movie like that. And it was her friends. And her friends at the time were people like Jason Siegel who lived in the apartment two doors down Mm -hmm. from her. And so instead of waiting for opportunities, they were like, let's make something. And I felt like, you know, that is such an inspiring message for people to hear. Like, don't sit there and think your way to something and worry and can, you know, complain that no one's knocking on your door. It's like, go make things. It's amazing. You all, you know, most of us right now, if you're listening to this, you have running water, you have a smartphone, do something with it, post, start being vulnerable, start being real. You won't believe like what might start to happen in your life from you creating things on your own. Like there's so many resources you can, you know, you want to start making your own sourdough bread, Google kitchen space. You can rent it. You like, there's so much you can just do. I find that, I find that really inspiring. Um, you still can't hear the, Mm-mm. um, Hang on, let me think for a second of who else I want to talk about because I talked about Seth Godin. Um, I loved your interview with Martha Beck. That Oh my God, I unreal. love her. Yes. She was amazing. She is amazing. And um, what was crazy is that 10 years ago, um, I was 28 and I went up to see Oprah. There was like this Oprah day in San Francisco before she did Super Soul Sessions, before mm-hmm. she had... I guess this was before own the t- the t- whole channel um she used to do this thing called O university where she'd have a bunch of other speakers for the day and she came at night and um i wound up going to this thing i drove up there and martha beck was one of the speakers and i remember mm-hmm. walking out and i left the room and i thought to myself i don't know why i'm like so emotional but i'm so inspired by this woman and here I was 10 years later to the day. It just worked wow. out. Wow. It just worked out. You know how I knew? Because in my phone, I have an app where it will like, let me know photos that are in my you know, cloud that mm-hmm. I took on that day. Mm-hmm. So that morning, I'm going to interview her and a photo pops up on my phone and I'm wearing the... There was, like a, there was some swag they gave us that day. So I saw that I was holding this like, swag bag and I was on this trolley in San Francisco and I went, mm-hmm. oh, that's interesting. And then I went, wait a minute. I hadn't even yeah. remembered... I hadn't even remembered. I was like, wait, that's where I saw Martha Beck. I forgot. And it was today, a decade ago. And now I'm interviewing her on my podcast because somehow I had the courage to show up in my messiness and start things and try things, which led me to here. Um, But what I loved about that episode was that she said, joy, joy is its own reason for being. If you go to sleep at night and you put your head on the pillow and you say, I felt joy today. I did something that made me feel happy. That's a productive day. Being productive is being truly joyful.
0: And then that's why we're on the planet is to really find joy. I love that. And, and I would think that that would go to anyone who feels that they don't know what their purpose is yet. Yeah. And I say yet, because I feel like we all do have something to give. Um, and so, yeah, just, just touching base with that. Like, what were your wins for the day? You know, what, what happened today? And I asked my husband that before we go to bed, or I asked my kids that at the dinner table, like, what was really great that happened today? Just to reinforce that sense of gratitude and, and just appreciation yeah. for life. Um, so what yeah, are you that's... grateful for?
1: Oh my gosh, and my shirt today says grateful. Um, Whoa! Yeah. (laughs) You know, I'm grateful for so many things. I mean, recently we were all together at a friend's uh, for Fourth of July a little while ago. Um, And uh, I was just crying, like, feeling so much gratitude to live in this Mm -hmm. country. Like, you know, I feel like it's so easy to be desensitized to how special it is to be here but I've lived elsewhere you know in college I studied abroad I lived in Spain um and I lived in Israel after college and that was an amazing experience and I have spent time in Italy and there's so many beautiful places in this world and I also just feel like this country is just magical and um Mm. I hadn't really thought about it in a long time and the fireworks were going and I was just crying. I was like, I'm so grateful to have been born here and be a part of it. And just so grateful that I can live the life that I live, you know, as a woman, as a mom, say what I want, post what I want, be who I am, eat what I want, (laughs) believe what I believe. Anyway, um, That that. was just something that I recently thought about because of the holiday. But other than that, you know, I'm grateful for so many things. I'm grateful that I can see, that I can hear. I'm grateful that I was able to have three beautiful kids Mm because I went through so much and I saw so much how much it is a miracle, Um, how it just doesn't happen all the time. Um, And then to have the special kinds of souls that we have living with us, they're really special and sweet. Mm -hmm. I'm grateful that um, I have you know, my mom and my sister and that I had, my grandmother passed away, but I had a grandmother like that. I'm grateful that, you know, I got married and my husband is like my partner and we're both really trying to grow and help each other be our best selves. And it's not always easy, but I think that we, we share that bigger picture mission. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that everybody's on board for that. I mean, I'm grateful that I get to have this business where, I basically get to work as much as I want to and I can make, I mean, you know, the fact that I'm able to generate seven figures doing all things I love, writing songs, you know, I just wrote a theme song for a Netflix show called Llama Llama and they just renewed it for a second season and I get that was fun really fun it was like really (laughs) fun like being in the studio writing that song and singing it was fun wow it was like better than Disneyland you know or I get to interview people and have conversations um with people that I really look up to and I'll see a book like you are a badass I'm like I want to talk to her and then I talk to her and spend time with her um and I get to I'm writing a book and I get I just spoke at Chris Gillibo's world domination summit for a thousand people and it's like I mean it's amazing that I this is my life but I think that every single person can have their version of that meaning the reason I said their version is because I don't think that it should be about how many zeros are there and um I think it's just about that again that fulfillment that purpose and like when you find it you're going to feel that fulfillment. It doesn't matter. The money is like just a really lovely second part.
0: Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot that I'm grateful for. So what's the biggest takeaway you want our listeners to know? Like those who, who are not happy in their nine to five, they, they have a purpose they, or they want to seek a purpose. What's the biggest takeaway for them listening right now to just start on that path?
1: If you're here, you're here for a reason if you're here, you matter. If you're here on the planet, you're worthy of being heard and you're lovable exactly as you are, exactly as you are. And you're worthy of being heard and you have something valuable to share exactly as you are. Nobody, no one has all their scars fixed or healed. We all are We all are dancing with all that stuff and we're all complicated. And at the same time, there's something really beautiful that you have to share. And so it's going to be worth it to go on this adventure because on the other end, on the other side of it are people who are going to be so inspired and better off because you forged ahead and you did open up that shop or you did start your blog or you did start posting about your hand lettering. Because it doesn't matter if there's already 7,000 other people doing what looks like the same thing. They're not you and that's your superpower. You're not competing. Mm. You're in your own lane because no one is you. And so there's something inherently unique about your perspective. And I would encourage people to be vulnerable because vulnerability is such a superpower. It's so scarce. It's so rare that if you're posting your hand lettering. And yeah, there's a 100,000 other people posting hand lettering. But every fourth time you post, you take people on that trail you just hiked on and you talk about what's on your heart that day. Then when your hand lettering comes up, it's not just some beautiful hand lettering. And this other woman's is really beautiful too. So what's the difference? It's you. And you're sharing your life. And other people go, oh, another person who has a real life just like Mm -hmm. me. So I would encourage people to use their... Life to understand that whatever you're doing, if you're making cherry pies, ultimately people are still buying it from you because you're you and not someone else. So just share. And it might sound silly and like no one wants to hear about, you know, the fact that I was so sad because my dog passed away. It's like, yes, they do because they know what it feels like to hurt and it makes you human. And they'll not only will it connect people to you? But you also will then be on the receiving end of a tremendous amount of love. I feel like the world is actually loving us all the time, but we're just not putting ourselves out there. And if you trust and you step out on faith, you're going to feel like, wow, there's a whole tribe here that was just waiting Mm -hmm. for me and waiting to applaud me. So I would say, go for it because you were put here to do something really special and keep listening for where the world needs you because there is that idea of like an ikigai. guy like the ikigai guy is the intersection it's a japanese word it's like the intersection of three points it's what you love to do what you're great mm-hmm. at but then what the world needs so i think sometimes our egos hold on so tight like no i said i want a record deal no that's how it's going to be and if it's not going to be that way then i'm going to keep persisting or nothing Mm -hmm. it didn't work out for me that was my way it's like wait a minute you know if I would have kept holding on to that I wouldn't have kept going this way and this way and keep pivoting until finally I find myself doing this podcast which so far it's one of the most fulfilling things I've ever done so listen because the world is going to be whispering to you you know this way over here oh that quality you have oh that's the quality we love about you it's not the fact that you're so great at math you're a great (laughs) scientist but you're so empathetic Mm-hmm. And that's what we need more of. And so look for those clues and keep trying and you're going to be led to ways that you can contribute. And I think that therein lies a lot of happiness.
0: I love that. Oh, that just gave me chills. Ah, that's so sweet. Mm-hmm. But just to kind of wrap up, it's the question that I ask all of my guests on the show. And I love the variety of answers because it really gives me insight into the person and, and what they're about. Um, but what's something that you've learned in life that you wish someone would have told you earlier on? That's such a good
1: question. I mean, I think it's what we were just talking about because I didn't learn that till I was in my 20s and, you know, growing up, my parents, Friday nights, we'd go to Blockbuster Video (laughs) you know order a pizza my parents would fight my sister and I would watch a movie and I wasn't really sure what it was all for you know what what were we on the planet for it just seemed very like this is it you grow up and you get people magazine and sit on the couch and go to sleep and then you wake up and do that again like what what's going on here you know and um I went to college and started studying the world and different cultures and then I was living in Jerusalem and you know opening my mouth and you know practicing those first few times like is there anyone I'm talking to is there something here like what's going on you know I didn't know growing up my whole life like that there was any reason for me being here I just didn't it was like oh there's just a lot of people and I don't know, I guess it's about like who's better and like who stands out more, who's prettier, who's better at the piano, who makes more money, who is taller as opposed to like inherently being valuable exactly as you are and no one can take that away from you. Hmm. And it really is true. Like it's not just a nice thing. Like it really is true. I mean, When I started my podcast, I was like, I had the same kinds of thoughts that everyone else would have. Why should I start a podcast? There's already so many things like this. So many people already have the same kind of idea. Who cares? Wow. I mean, I've been doing it for a year and a half and we have over two and a half million downloads. What does that say? It says like, you know, Kath, there's room for you because there is no other you doing it. And we're waiting for you to show up. It's like, we've been waiting for you all this time. Take your seat at the table. You're finally here. Great. This place has been sitting, been being set waiting for you all this time. It's like, there's room. Just like you look up at the sky and you're like, God, there's so many stars, you know, there's not enough room. There is. The universe keeps expanding. There's room for every one of those stars, you know, like Mm -hmm. every one of those constellations is slightly unique and has a totally different story and changes the weather in its own way. Like it's, we each are here for a reason, and I just saw that Mister Rogers documentary, and I was like, "Oh my god, oh, like, this man. is his message!" You know, I was <laughs> like I—I I mean, I, only, I hadn't watched it till I, since I was like four, and I loved it then. But I mean, I haven't seen it in a long time, and I was watching it just crying. I was like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: he was such an incredibly wise teacher because all he kept saying to people was. You matter exactly as you are. And it's so true. Like you, exactly as you are, have the ability to lift other people and bring beautiful things in the world. And even more so, all the stories and all the things that you think make you imperfect actually only help you more. Mm -hmm. Because you've been down in a well, you can help someone out of that well. So I think that... It's something I wish that I was told since I was like, you know, zero.
0: <laughs> eventually I figured it out. Man, and you're doing amazing things with it. I just want to say thank you from the bottom oh, of the so heart. Sweet. Thank you for thank being you. on the show. Thank you for sharing your light because you are you are a bright light. Yeah. That's so sweet. Well, so are you. And I feel like
1: this was like one of my favorite interviews I've been on. I think you asked such so great questions. But more than that, I feel like because you do your own work and you're so grounded in it, it's so obvious, like you're really present. I think that that brings out a lot of great things. Cause I think, Uh I think the number one thing people want is to feel like seen, like there's a Mm -hmm. space, somebody's making a space to see them and make them feel like supported and that they get them. And I think you're really good at that. So I'm not surprised that you're successful at it
0: oh you're so sweet so how can people if they want to hear your podcast connect with you find your website how do they find you what's the best okay.
1: way how do they find me so yeah. um don't keep is where we talk about the podcast and the show notes and all the episodes are there you can also find us on apple podcasts or wherever else you listen to podcasts you can also find me on instagram i post every single day at kathy.heller c-a-t-h-y dot h-e-l-l-e-r and um you know and then there's other fun things going on like I teach some courses. Um, I just dipped my toe into starting a course teaching people how to podcast because some people can ask me for that. But I also teach songwriters things about how to advance their career. And um, I have music of mine that's on iTunes. People can hear like, what songs did she write? Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm around.
0: So many Um, things. The amazing Kathy Heller. I love it. uh, (laughs) Just one person. (laughs) Mm, Thanks. I hope you have a great day. This was such a pleasure.
1: Oh, you too. Thank you so much. Thank you for the time and for um, the really meaningful conversation. I really loved it. I learned a lot from you too.
0: Guys, thank you so much for stopping by. Your support means the world to me. It truly does. And that's why I'm here. I want to support you as well. I want to provide you with amazing content week in and week out, content that's going to inspire you, educate you, and help you create a more beautiful life because that's my goal for myself and that's my goal for everyone listening here today. Um, And if you like what you heard, please leave me a five-star review on iTunes. I know I talk about it a lot, but it really does so much for the show's ratings and just getting the word out about the show to more and more people. So if you like what you heard, you can also find me on Instagram at motherhoodunstressed and feel free to send me a DM or feel free to comment on my latest pick about something in the podcast that touched you or, you know, helped you in some small way. Like that's amazing. Like hearing that feedback absolutely inspires me to keep creating the show and and to put it in a direction that's going to be of the most good to the most people. Um, And I can't do that without that feedback from you. So it really does make a difference. So I would love to hear from you. See you next time. This episode is sponsored by Organifi. Organifi offers completely non-GMO organic superfood blends that makes incorporating really good nutrition into your diet insanely easy. You literally do not have an excuse not to get your fruits and veggies anymore because they've done all the work for you. And if you use the code unstressed, you will receive 15% off your purchase at Organifyshop.com. This episode is also sponsored by Sunday Scaries. These are the CBD gummies that are amazing for stress, anxiety. If you just want to feel a little more energized or regain your focus without all of that background chatter in your mind that's not serving you, use the code UNSTRESS for 10% off your purchase at 4 Lastly, this episode is sponsored by Four Sigmatic. If this is a company you haven't heard of, believe me, in the next year or two, you will. They are doing amazing things in the world of medicinal mushrooms. Uh, Right now, I'm kind of obsessed with their hot cacao with reishi, which is something I'll drink before bed every night, and it's just so relaxing, so calming, and so good for you. So it's kind of a no-brainer. Also, if you love coffee, but you hate the way it makes you feel, like jittery, stressed, just not well... Then they have a ton of uh, mushroom blends for coffee. Uh, they also have a really good matcha. So go to forsigmatic.com and use the code unstressed to save 15% off.